Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And today, it's daytime outside, <laughs> urban witches, spellcraft, and vomiting kittens. <laughs> we'll cover this and more as we delve into brand new cherry flavor. I'm Mitch. I'm Mer. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. It's also Justine's birthday today, and I forgot to mention that. Yeah! Yeah, we're going to dinner later tonight. Oh, yeah. Dinner. Dinner. Yeah, definitely. We're excited. Justine's birthday. And you got to pick whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. So you chose. So I chose brand new cherry flavor, and here's why. The only reason I found out about this show is actually a TikTok where people are freaking out about a sex scene that happens in the show. And if you know, you know, and we're going to discuss that later. Um, But I watched a little bit ahead of when that scene happened, and I was really intrigued by the strangeness of this story. All I see is giving birth to kittens from the side of her ribs. That I had zero context before that, and I was like, "What the fuck is this? I have to watch it." Was not expecting to enjoy the show as much as I did, but it was everything I wanted from a show, and it fits within our horror genre. So I thought, "Why the fuck not?" Let's talk about it for my birthday episode. I guess we'll get into production notes before we get yeah. into the deep dive on the episodes that we watched. Hit us, Mur. All right, so brand new cherry flavor. It was ba- it's a Netflix TV series. And it was uh, created by Nick Antosca, who we've talked about prior. He was the one that uh, made uh, a qui- right. The Quiet Boy, the short story that we covered that was also translated into the movie Antlers. So nice. this is after Antlers, and this is like the next step up for them in production style. They were doing, uh, they directed one episode as well as wrote for the majority of the series. So that was the other writer. Along with Nick and Tosca is Lenore Zion, or Zion. She is also. Uh, they also based this story off of Todd Grimson. So this is like uh, brand new cherry flavor. Is you know a piece of fiction that's already in writing. So they wanted to adapt it, as well as get some new creatives from Hollywood into the the foyer. Because apart from this, both uh, Zion and, and Tosca. Uh, they work on similar shows as well as like I'd say about four or five projects together. So for this to be their Netflix debut, it's pretty cool and pretty big for them. Uh, other than that, I guess I could talk about the cast that is in this series. When I find my list, <laughs> I don't use notes. I use a Scrolling. phone. Uh, so for our main character, we have Rosa Salazar as Lisa Nova. Catherine Keener as Boro or Jennifer Nathan. I love her. Boro. Boro. <laughs> Eric Lange as Lou Burke and Jeff Ward as Roy Hardaway. So these are like our pinnacle, like main four characters that we go with. Yeah, fuck Lou Burke. Um, yeah. We go through <laughs> a lot of different characters that are kind of like here and there. Side characters. Um, Manny Jacinto as Chris or Code, best friend to uh, Lisa Nova. Hannah Levin as Christine, his girlfriend. His girlfriend? <laughs> she was hilarious and like really chaotic as a character. Uh, Sienna Werber as Mary Gray or Boro, basically both characters. Also known as Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daniel Doheny as Jonathan Burke, the son of uh, Lou. Lou Burke, <laughs> who we'll get into into the series. Uh, Darcy Laurie as Ralph, as well as Sean Owen Roberts as James. 
And then you got a little cameo. Patrick Fisher is Alvin Sender. So very short, very small it is a cast limited of characters. Series too. It is, it is a limited, limited series, series. So I'm pretty sure that means this is it. They're not going to try to make yeah, a second season. I, I kind of appreciate that, though, because I appreciate stories that end. If you have a, yeah. a goal in mind, and I think that this particular like little contained series is great. It's just wonderful on its own. Like It just doesn't need... It's all explained. I I agree with the sentiment, but we'll probably deep dive into specifics when we do more of the analysis. Uh, where do you want to start with this? Uh, let's start at the beginning. Yeah. So, do, you, do you want us to talk about like our uh, like first impressions or thoughts? Well, let's talk a little bit about what the story is exactly. So this story follows Lisa Nova, who is a young aspiring writer, director, producer. Reminds me of somebody, actually. <laughs> our writer, director, producer, editor, filmmaker, Jonathan yes, Sotello. is like... Degree is somewhere around the apartment. <laughs> As it sits above my computer. Yeah. Right above the camera. Look at that piece of paper. Just a daily very expensive piece of paper up there. A daily reminder of how much time I've wasted while working my 40-hour dead-end job. Anyway. <laughs> so we drop in with Lisa. She enters the lovely city of Los Angeles looking to strike a new movie deal after completing a uh, short, short film. film that she was working on, which is an interesting story that we... Here developed a little bit more later on in the series. So her first encounter was with Lou Burke. Yeah, she gets a message from an executive producer, Lou Burke, who basically doesn't really do this kind of stuff. He doesn't really like to fund nobodies. Uh, but something compelled him to grab the tape of Lisa Nova's and play it and contact and reach her. Mm-hmm. So Lou Burke as a character is a complete asshole, actually. <laughs> so he, I was really hopeful in the start that yeah. he was going to be an, a genuinely nice guy. I mean, it plays out that way. For it a does. While. It does play out that way. But as we get to um, know him a little more, we realize he is your standard depiction of Hollywood sleazebag. Yeah, he's very predatory um, towards Lisa in that as soon as she rejects his uh, sexual advances, sexual advances, which are very like forceful uh that she she then kind of loses her deal mm -hmm. that he's like she even asks him at some point she's like what changed and he admits that when she rejects him that he felt small but mind you this isn't something he really shared with her until the very yeah, end once he had late. completely broken her down with the uh witch's curse yeah so uh enter boro who we find at a some i don't know art gallery party thing yeah i, I don't know the uh, the actress's name, but I do know that she was in Forty Year Old Virgin. She was, and yeah. she plays the grandma, yeah, or the the quote unquote grandma, Catherine yeah, Keener. Catherine like, Keener, yeah. thank you, thank you, and she's great in this. She's fantastic, yeah, yeah, just as she was great in that too. She's mm -hmm. great. like, I feel like she's just unhinged in this yeah. show, like almost all the way through. So that's something interesting <laughs> too. Is who Boro is exactly? Oh, I love the backstory. So uh, essentially, we'll call them a, a witch, but this is also an ancient creature spirit thing that body hops. Mm -hmm. Spoilers. There's going to be a lot of spoilers in this episode. Yeah. You should probably watch the show before you um, hear this episode. But yeah, so she's like a Brazilian. Was, was I understanding it right that Boro is only a piece 
of the power that came from the initial god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we, was existing within like a jaguar's body, basically. Yeah. yeah. They, okay. We got a good lore dump, I'd say, about six or seven episodes in where yeah. Boro explains that she, her original life was as a man who was in the like uh, jungles of Brazil, happened upon a white jaguar. That he fucked. He fucked the jaguar. Thought it was going to kill him. Ended up fucking it. Uh, instead <laughs> don't of know get- how. <laughs> how do you fuck a jaguar? I don't want to know. my question. Hence the cats. All the kittens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, essentially, a cat god. <laughs> essentially, after that, uh, the jaguar finds a liking to this human person and gives them some sort of mystical powers. The powers to body hop unbeknownst to them. And so when they were on the, I'd say, verge of death at this time in Brazil... They hopped towards a little girl and took their soul and actually took their body and replaced it with their own soul. And ever since then, it could be years, thousands of years, this mm-hmm. has been occurring. Right. Mind you, Boro was essentially murdered then by this leopard spirit for betraying it, uh, essentially lying, not giving the proper sacrifice. So they've been beefing for centuries. Yeah. And, and this beef is never ending this yeah it's it's never ending <laughs> and it's basically a culminated to this point where the character that they play jennifer or uh boro lives in la uh is kind of like a mystical sort has hirelings that she owns zombies zombies <laughs> yeah essentially zombies. essentially zombies as well as knows when the right time to find a replacement host body not only that but we do get the lore and the back uh, the backlog uh, info that the jaguar has been turned into a couch, oh, that's which awesome. is very sad to yeah. think about. Uh, but it makes me wonder too, if the jaguar could teach someone to body hop, could the jaguar body hop as well? Most likely. Because mm. I wouldn't mm. imagine a god to have a physical body, but in yeah. this case, if the leopard was murdered, that must insinuate that the god possibly has hot bodies since they're they're hanging around too too so it's sort of a an interesting thing we'll probably never learn is whether the gods still exist or not in this case they do exist in a spirit realm but it's possible that there are also inhabiting a body somewhere they do also they don't really answer the question of whether or not the mom is actually trying to find her because she's convinced of this at some point mm-hmm. so a few un- unanswered questions but enough mystery for a limited series yeah. that you're very interested right from the get-go this is also really surreal all the way through so it's it's modern day it's surreal it's something that you're not typically seeing along with witchcraft um you usually kind of go down the route of it being older like a period piece mm-hmm. or being really specific like um i don't know the craft right right <laughs> yeah. i feel like, like the craft was the last something. time i really saw yeah. this urban fantasy witchery right right and so at least yeah. in this scale and it's cool it's in Los Angeles mm-hmm. around the film industry because it's notoriously a kind of bad business to be in if you're trying to cut deals. Yeah. So essentially how Boro gets played into the mix is uh, Lou Burke is a shithead and steals um, Lisa Nova's idea, steals all the credit, which is something that happens quite often in Hollywood is people yeah. go uncredited for the work that they've presented to people especially when you're not someone that's attached to any sort of big name production companies haven't done a whole lot of work it's easy for t- people to take advantage of the work that oh you yeah do. definitely and this is a prime example of that and you know there's also the fact that he physically assaulted lisa nova yeah so the, the entirety of this uh narrative begins with lisa nova's uh, basically someone that made a short film they wanted to move to hollywood to get their big break 
essentially they meet up with their executive producer. That person came on to them and they left entirely as well as written an agreement with Luberg to yeah. uh, sell, basically have the rights be made under her for her to direct and basically produce the or not produce, but make this film. Uh, and there was some fine print, even though her friends tried to find it, but yeah. basically well, gave could, the, yeah, gave the rights away to Luberg and he decides to ditch Lisa Nova and get an up and coming, uh, director who does music videos to take her place leaving no room for her because something changed something changed you know something changed quote i put my unquote. hand i put my hand on her leg and uh, she didn't want to do it so something changed in the production you Yikes. know and so this is a a telltale tale of basically how some stuff in hollywood happens I mean, mm -hmm. but I appreciate my girl Lisa for wanting to take her revenge on that asshole. And yeah. she does through uh, Boro's magical ways. So yeah. cue Boro at the party, gives them an offer they can't refuse, comes with a hefty price tag, though. But a lot of fun ensues from that. Everything from a, what is it, a worm being inserted into somebody's body, wreaking havoc, somebody <laughs> catching on it. fire. Um, getting sent to the hospital covered in bandages, all that good stuff. Literal murder. And, uh, you know... It's a very violent show, by the way. <laughs> one thing you should know about magic, though, is everything does have its price. And in this case, if you ask a witch to do a favor for you, you're going to have to pay one way or another. Lisa didn't have much in the way of money, but she had other things that she wanted. In this case, it was cats. <laughs> yeah. Well, she. why does she want the cats? Uh, you know, that's still up for debate, I think. So the thing I found really interesting about this show is the cats aspect is Lisa is regularly puking up baby kittens. Yeah. Or in on one screen. instance, um, giving birth to a kitten from their ribs, which is really fun. Well, that was because she was like, I don't want to be throwing up these things anymore. So she's like, OK, I'll find another way to get them out. Yeah. And it's literally just like an opening on her side that reveals her intestines and other things like that. Mm -hmm. um, which is also a leading way to a, a very interesting sex scene <laughs> that happens in this. Um... Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know how to approach this. Fucking the ribs where the <laughs> cat vagina has grown because she didn't want to Apparently throw up Apparently it's cats. pleasurable for her too, right? Like, I, I that's guess what so. we were getting from that well, moment. I mean, they they looked like they were having a good time. Or is it like a, or is it like a weird discomfort thing where you're not sure? Uh, I think it's one of those body horror aspects where you realize you have a fucking vagina growing on the side of your fucking I, hand. It was, the, it was just wild. Like, it was a, it was a, a really I just want to know who comes weird. up with this kind of stuff. Oh, people who want to get their break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Prime example. But yeah. so what were you guys' uh, first impressions about oh, I was series? very hooked from the beginning of the story because it's a very uh, easy topic to relate to. Uh, basically, someone taking their own thing and going out on their own is very relatable. Uh, specifically, going to L.A. is something that we hear all the time in California. So I've heard this from many people. I've heard people also leave from L.A. So for me, it seemed like a very set in reality thing. But then it goes more paranormal and psychological and psychedelic in its execution, which I appreciate uh, ever since she has the initiation with Boro. Uh, and then eventually, I'll talk more about it, but first impressions are looking good. I was hooked in for the first four or five episodes really deeply. So that that's what I got from that. The production design is incredible. Cinematography takes risks. In some cases, they get completely upside down. They do all kinds of different oh, tricks. That's great. I love that. And um, 
I say this for the production design is because they have to make a plant grow in a room over the course of an entire week. Yeah. And so, so you get to plan that out. So you have to, you basically get an entire room being engulfed in jungle as well as the modification of an apartment to have a trap door and stuff. I give props to everyone that worked on that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's not often that you run into a urban fantasy story like this. Or like urban witchcraft, I guess you could say. I mean, I've only seen like so many other urban fantasies that exist that I've actually like read through. It's like like Dresden Files or something yeah. along those lines, which falls more underneath like noir, yeah, like fantasy yeah, noir, urban more. fantasy noir kind of thing. Reminded, this kind of has aspects of that too. I'm reminded of that Netflix show Bright that they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah like but, that but like too. in a different that, that's, way. Yeah. That's also urban fantasy and. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a bad more movie. more. That could have been so much better. But we'll talk about movie. it <laughs> another time. Oh man, I, I have I have complaints. Anyway, but regardless, <laughs> regardless, is we're not talking about bright. We're talking about <laughs> brand new cherry flavor. Um, and I and I loved the uh, I loved the portrayal of magic and like the, the give and take kind of aspect of it. You know, what you put out is what you get back, sort of thing. So when she puts curse on our on our evil producer, Lou um, Burke. yeah, Lou Burke. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, he he bad. Um, but you see how his life starts falling apart because of this curse, but her life also seems to kind of start falling apart in tandem with that. So it's sort of a warning against using magic to harm others. Yeah, I suppose. I think also a warning of connecting yourself to said curse because yeah. they established that in the beginning that their souls were connected through this curse. Right. Yeah. And evil parts are dealt on both sides. Maybe they look a little bit different, but each person's life fell apart just as much as the last person. Uh, what was your first impressions? My first impressions? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to let Jonathan talk first. Oh, that's fine. I mean, I was hooked immediately because this is right up my lane for style choices. So I love surrealism. I like urban fantasies as well because it gives you the room to recreate what you originally knew as the boundaries of what magic is. In this case, the give and exchange is a huge thing for her and it's much of the plot line for what happens to her. So it worked really well that she was going to give out a lot of curses, but then a lot of shit happens to her too. I was already caught with the idea that, you know, she possibly may have done something bad at some point and was running away from that. And so she then was sort of getting into a uh, trying to restart her life by doing that. It's revealed at some point in the in the show that she basically allowed her girlfriend of the time to take peyote and shoot a, a horror film. And so the girl goes kind of mad and pulls out her own eye and she records it and then sends it in. And people are like, this is amazing because they it, don't realize that it's real. Yeah, they believe it's, it's like, wow, effects. these yeah. practical effects. Man. So like she's already kind of a character that's questionable on whether or not she's done something good uh, or not. But I especially liked the idea that she's going into an industry where women are almost always going to suffer, which is going to be that they are not taken seriously. They're not in charge. They often suffer bodily. So it becomes a bodily horror where things happen to her physically, not only mentally, so you get this sort of analysis all the way through of what might happen to somebody going into the industry in a weird, surreal way. And that is a cool interpretation of the yeah. terrible film industry. Um, 
I think something that really struck me about the show right away was uh, like Murr was talking about the cinematography, the production behind this. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. beautifully well done. The color palettes that are used in every single scene, the, the just the places that they're in in general. I believe this takes place in what, the, the 90s? Yes. Yeah, it's like the 90s. And it feels very 90s. You have the old dial phones that were still kind of a thing at the 90s. You know, we're kind of getting like the little buttons at this that This is point, kind of but... like a production sheet too. Yeah. Where you're able to just use old school stuff, which is not that hard to find. 90s mm-hmm. stuff is still pretty cheap yeah, to find and for, for production value. Um, but I am a big sucker for aesthetic value. And the show definitely yeah. has the aesthetic value uh necessary to be on a list of things that I would want to talk about but what I also really appreciated from the show was the depiction of magic and I feel like a lot of times when magic is shown in shows it's seen as this very like one-sided thing like oh I'm gonna cast a little spell and there's gonna be no consequence for casting this spell yeah but there is a tax for just about everything whether it's an energetic tax or a binding contract of some sort and that is the same for this is every favor requires fuel And the fuel comes in many different forms. And it's really up to the whim of those who are giving you this favor. But I think the same goes in a lot of cases for any sort of relationship you get into when it comes to being in any sort of entertainment industry is nothing's for free. There's a certain amount of dues that you have to pay to get where you want to be. should also be noted that the the basis of the magic and witchcraft in this story is not Eurocentric based. Yes. This is from South America, from Brazil. And so this changes a lot of your expectations for what you might see in popular media in regards to witchcraft, which is why it's so weird. (laughs) Yeah, and good for them, too, for finally expanding the scope of what magic can be. Because like we had said, a lot of magic is shown is Eurocentric, not to say that there's anything wrong with Eurocentric magic, but it's all we see in pop culture. We see the, the pagans and the Wiccans and all of that stuff, which is largely based around Europe. That doesn't really exist uh, culturally and historically in well, other countries like as well. Well, they're naturally born with it in most cases. Yes. And in this case, this is borrowed power mm-hmm. and that you then have to pay for. Which is imbued by the relationship you have with a deity or right. sometimes a soul family contract. After, after our uh, two witchcraft episodes that we did, I think that I found that a lot of our, like, you know, pagan witchcraft things have a lot, they, we found that they have a lot of similarities yeah. to them. And then this is a much more accurate representation of how some, like, cultures and how a lot of them did believe that magic is used and how it works and that send out, come back sort of idea you know, give and take the balancing of things and such. So I think that that is um, very, very relevant to, you know, to this movie in itself. And what makes it so good, or not movie, the show rather, is what makes it so good is that it does take um, a grounded approach to this and a historical approach as yeah. well. It's also not something you just see fly out of their hands. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. It's not like I cast a lightning <laughs> yeah. bolt. Yeah, it's not nothing it's not like a that. Harry That's Potter-esque not the type. Yeah, I, exactly. I wanted to discuss the uh, level of violence at an animal level. Oh, geez. Yeah, so... Um, animal well, violence. okay, here's my thing, is I'm usually not one to stand for animal violence uh, senselessly, but I do also understand the importance of animal sacrifice in ritualistic sense. This is something that comes across in many magical practices that are not Eurocentric-based, Yep, is animal sacrifice. And uh, here, here's the way I want to think about it, <laughs> is these animals are being honored and they're being sacrificed for a very specific purpose, but it's done with intention. It's done with thoughtfulness. We collectively, 
not everybody, especially those who don't eat meat, but we senselessly murder animals all the time. And it's more acceptable if we don't see it happening and if we're not doing it from our own hands. But we see someone else doing it and automatically it sort of instills this panic response in us. But I want us to reevaluate the idea of animal sacrifice in the sense that these animals are being honored, every part of them. Yeah, well, I thought I don't know if maybe I misunderstood, but when the little kittens are getting created, that to me felt like there was a piece of her, I don't know, essence, soul. I believe energy. that yeah, too. I believe that, that then that got well. taken out and Boro was taking that to then re-energize herself for either staying in the body or to be able to keep doing these it could magical probably things. probably make sense why she would make slippers out of these kittens. Well, too. I mean, she's drinking the blood. And drinking the yeah. blood as, as well. As like a source of energy. And that's very yeah. much in line with like your blood magic type things. So, I mean, they even have a, like sex magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a thing she has to do, a part of it. So like that to me, it was like not to diminish the idea that they're hurting animals, but like in a lot yeah. of ways, it's not actually a kitten. It's kind of like a manifestation of the energy that's being exchanged from one to the other. It's like using youthful energy to make yeah. yourself powerful or young or whatever. Yeah, like Elizabeth yeah. Bathory right, type levels of shit. Yeah. Like that yeah. type of thing. I just wanted to discuss it because like for anyone that's interested in the series, like yeah. there is a it certain is level of yes. animal violence. And like, I don't know. I, for one, don't like watching that stuff. But it's been quite some time since i've seen it depicted in a film or media so for me it very it's very much stood out because you don't see that every day right so for those who are squeamish i just yeah. give you a warning the dog does die in this show i don't yeah. think any dogs actually die but there's quite a few other little critters uh, that will there die is for this. sure a guinea pig that gets fucked <laughs> oh yeah. my god not fucked sorry it gets demolished and that's kind of the, what this whole show is it's just stuff that you don't see that often yeah like it's a very original thing and i i'm so glad that we get to see more of anticosta's work being made into visual pieces because i'm sure the book is fucking phenomenal oh yeah i was time. wondering about that too which is how like the story he wrote the book out. right it was was his book no. that he yeah or no he did not write the book or is he just adapting oh, he, a, just he just adapted, adapted the screen he, screenwriting it says for it. uh credit as creating the show as well as directing an episode oh okay. but also Understood. also a writer I'm yeah, just yeah, yeah. I'm just happy I he's getting were, work. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's it. Just, he's getting work. I'm happy for my this boy. This is like one of the brand new things that they've done post uh, The Quiet Boy for Antlers. Uh, so we're basically seeing someone on the, on a certain rise right now. That's yeah. cool. I appreciate the show is extremely unpredictable. I had a hard time knowing where the storyline was going to go all the way through. Oh, same. Which is a great way to build a story because you don't want to be predictable. And you know me. I've got a skill We're for really predicting really about how things out. are going to turn out. Yeah. But in this one, I had my predictions. Very rarely would they actually come true. In most cases, they didn't come true. Yeah. Right? I think the big thing for me was I thought she was going to be done with Lou Burke, kind of curse him, and then go on and try to I find a different avenue. And when I realized that the story was going to be more self-contained, it kind of like put my expectations a little bit more down. I'm not going to admit, I'm going to admit. Um, but what is presented is pretty fun. I like the interaction that she has with her other characters and the revenge that Lou Burke goes on to enact on her because let's face it, a lot of shit happens to Lou Burke. That's like, oof. <laughs> just a big oof moment yeah. um i think the major turning point with lou burke is when his son gets turned into a zombie essentially right and his son was one of the very few things i think he actually held dear in his life yeah a, a graduated college student who is an aspiring artist who is in <laughs> good health i can only imagine that his like that was 
a big blow to him. The show did make a joke about how he was not very successful yeah. as an artist and that he was returning home essentially mm-hmm. because yeah. he couldn't he couldn't cut it as an artist wherever he was at. And not only that, it kind of shadows his father because he is a washed up quote unquote kind of producer for these kind of things. Hasn't done anything relevant since 85 is what they make jokes about. They do yeah. a really good job of making sure you don't really give a fuck about Lou. Yeah. Uh, Lou, cause Lou, like, <laughs> yeah Lou has a lot of stuff that happens to him. His Falcons die. His wife leaves him. Okay, that he... shit was funny though when his house <laughs> has so many people inside and he's trying to sort out everything that Oh, I love the exterminator dudes. Whoever are playing those guys, they did great. great. Just like, there's no bugs here, man. There's a fucking tarantula that gave my kid a boner. Like they had a lot. (laughs) (laughs) They had a lot of running jokes through it. One of the jokes that was funny to me too was the friend whose head was wrapped because she had just gotten surgery. Oh, and then and then you uh, see her at the end. What's funny too is the so there's a mystery girl. We don't really know what she looks like right. until the very end, completely wrapped in bandages. And her boyfriend happens to be the director that was going to replace Lisa Nova, yeah. Who then gets uh, spontaneously set on fire at a party and is then himself wrapped in bandages. And I don't know, they were just made for each other. She even says they made a new pair of lips out of his thigh meat. <laughs> which is so fucked <laughs> and that she's like super excited and it's funny because you see it for the first time and lisa is even like oh like it looks nice i see it now because she says she's gonna look like a famous star and she does which is kind of crazy mm-hmm. um so that was they have their moments the running jokes all the way through and that's something that was interesting in, yeah yeah while, despite while you're it. how dark this show is it's still very Pretty lighthearted, lighthearted yeah. in most moments i mean Boro, as threatening and terrifying as she is, is also just kind of having a good time the whole time. Cracking jokes, playing both sides. She's having fun. And, you know, props to her. If you're having fun, you're doing something right. I guess what? Chaotic neutral? (laughs) Because she does help everybody. Yeah, she plays all sides. She doesn't lie either. That's true. She She, doesn't. Like, she has many opportunities to be like, are you the chick that's putting the curse on me? Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) but i mean what is he gonna do she's like all powerful so i was really wondering about her sort of powers and how often she can use them they seem to really take a lot out of her Mm -hmm. anytime she does something to the point of like exhaustion i think that's part of why um she has her little zombies is to keep her protected essentially yeah yeah because that dude is definitely there to, to keep her safe after this, the story escalates. Lou Burke wants revenge. He hires people to murder Lisa Nova. And almost gets away with it. They almost oh. actually kill her in one scene. And then uh, she's reborn as I don't even know what, but somehow tears this man's throat out at some point. Yeah. Well, Those, the, the you're talking man. about Lisa? Yeah. Yeah. She. Get, I think what happened was she got a bit of the power and was, was then able to like literally grow fangs and teeth and the claws and just ended up attacking him but like it really doesn't specify yeah you never actually see it implies that she has a physical transformation that happens when she's threatened because there's like bones cracking and like squelching Mm -hmm. and things but we never actually get to see it so we don't know how that really plays out but all we know is she's capable of quite literally ripping a man to shreds Um, it was referenced that after the milk bath in episode five that boro gave her like a certain talk like vial that basically helps her to get more become more powerful than she is right now yeah and so after her entire thing her all of her wounds are healed and she goes to get that guy of course there's something about that though i'm sorry i want to interrupt real quick is we find out that lisa nova is actually attached to this uh leopard god 
Mm. And that this is a family connection that she has. Her mother somehow was involved with this god. And I believe that she already had the power of the leopard within her, except it was suppressed Mm. by something. And I believe that this vial she gave her didn't necessarily give her power. It rather unlocked or unblocked the power that was already there. Is it possible then that Lisa is like, I don't know, your demigod? I think she could be. Half. She could be. And I think that's why Boro, uh, we find out, wanted her why body she wa- yeah, so why badly. She wants to switch over. I love that uh, her mother is trying to connect with her from the spirit world because Boro warns her that spirits will try to contact her. Yeah. The entire series, she believes it to be some kind of monster that's trying to kill her. Uh, when in kind reality. Of wild looking, uh, like flashes to something else it looks yeah. like a shrunken head yeah. in my opinion yeah. <laughs> when in reality it is just the manifestation of her mother yeah. who she believes to be a woman with no face um and it basically haunts her dreams and stuff yeah because she doesn't know her yeah she, she's so, basically like i don't know what that's she like, looks like it's kind of a, a big ego reason for her to like make a film in hollywood because she wants to find her mother yeah, there was also a bit of the storyline where she is looking to go off away from home to get something done, but then finds that the best choice is to return home. The The introduction of the old girlfriend is um, definitely like leads you to not know who to root for yeah. in this situation, which I think is a really strong part of the series as well is that it keeps you kind of going back and forth to a nice gray area where there is no clear evil, no clear good here. That's not even discussing, uh, the actor that Lisa Nova deal, uh, dealt with. Roy. And, uh, yeah, the entire time who was nothing but supportive the entire time, honestly, and ended up getting fucked over. Yeah. Okay. But, well, it wasn't Lisa's well, fault. No, so it's an one, upcoming it wasn't her fault. Two, he's a drug addict yeah. and was recovering and even admitted at some point that she was kind of like that feeling to him. And nobody should ever choose to live because of another person. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a lot to put on someone. And I think that was his fault and part of the yeah. reason why he was uh, also ripped to shreds in the end. Not by Lisa, though. He was ripped to shreds <laughs> by the zombie friend. He gets his head torn off. Yeah, yeah literally torn <laughs> off. It I was mean, wild. Lisa Nova also isn't a character that like some people could be rooting for too, because she has that entire past thing with the girl with the one eye. Mm-hmm. She could have yeah. easily stopped her friend from eating her own eye on film, oh, fuck, I but forgot to decide- out and ate it, decided, <laughs> decided to go against that and make a fucking film yeah. and make her eat her own eye out. And she still doesn't even know because she only believes that she was on peyote and then just uh, ditches her after yeah. that. There's no follow up. There's no, Hey, how you doing? She ever, she even says at some point, um, Boro asked what the the actress was to her, and she was like, "Just that. She's just an actress. She's yeah. whatever I want her well, to be." The, the, and you get that idea that yeah. Lisa's just as manipulative as some of these people who right. are out here in Hollywood. Yeah. So that's where, like, uh, at some point, my gripes with like the project comes in. I'm glad that it's a limited series because I thought that the last episode was lacking in a lot of stuff. Uh, I felt that episode ten, which was written by Acosta. There's a lot of overacting from a lot of these amateur <laughs> actors. Yeah. Uh, Lisa goes off the rails to a point where I'm just like, this is, you're reading it off the script to me. You're not portraying this off the script for me. Mm, and then um, I found that she was very hard to connect with. After all of this, I kind of felt like everything that has happened, the culmination, hiding a murder, dealing with uh, looting, or, I mean, completely ruining this dude's life and her basically having to go through all these struggles, like getting basically killed it felt uh, very distant for me. I did not care for the character at the end of the movie. And it kind of, it kind of makes that the point because they 
also make it so she doesn't ever actually make her movie. She gets exactly what she wants. She becomes the director of her own film, gets a good shoe in with the uh, producer Alvin, who even says he has no talents except for money, and doesn't even make the film. <laughs> decides great. to get. At least he's that. honest. I love that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> decides to get a plane ticket to Brazil, which I felt was like a very unsatisfying ending for me mm. and uh, makes me believe that they shouldn't continue the series and that they should keep it on the shelf. That's how I feel about this. Everything else up to that point, I was sold. I was sold for the curse. I was sold for the interactions with all these characters trying to, to solve problems. But at the end, I felt that the main character was flat. And so that's where I have the gripes with the series for myself. I would even say that might play into a lot of the plot. Because as we were discussing before, the kittens essentially represent her soul, her soul essence. And she's thrown up and given birth to how many of these kittens? So much of her soul has been taken by Boro. And at the end, yeah, you see a flat soulless character pretty much. What was there in the beginning is no longer. She's a husk of who she was before. But that's, once again, the price that she had to pay for something like that. Yeah, which I understand. At the same time, um, the overacting like really killed it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I I could not get into it after that. I felt like some things could have been justified. I have to I have to agree with Mer on this that I think that yes I think like maybe your last like two episodes of it were kind of like the most lacking, just because it felt to me it felt rushed. It felt rushed, like they were getting right to the very end of the story now, and now we're at the end, because now it's episode 10, we have to end right here. And that, I think, kind of, like, it kind of messes with the pacing of them setting everything up to eventually, you know, knock it all down. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, you're making, if you have it, the intention to make a limited series on that 9th or 10th episode, you want to rush. I get that. Uh, But if they were to just make this a series, they could have left more to interpretation as well as more to the creativity that follows it. I uh, think honestly, if they had maybe one or two additional episodes in the series, they would have had a lot more time to develop that ending. Cause I agree. The ending did feel rushed. It felt like everything kind of came to a head in the very last episode. Which I, usually yeah. <laughs> in these kind of instances, you want the last like three episodes to all feel like the ending. Reveal, reveal, reveal. Yeah. Yes. Conclusion. I yeah. was also, um, pretty disheartened with the passing of Roy in the, in the, in the series. I thought that his character really didn't do too much wrong. Um, other than like fully support Lisa, mm-hmm. I would have loved to <laughs> at least, at least have him alive. I don't think outright killing the character, uh, gives credit to the character. I think he foreshadowed his own death, honestly. Yeah. So, so I have a completely different take than what you guys think. I think the ending is exactly what it needed to be for her character and why she originally intended to go and do what she was doing. Roy, I don't think is actually that good of a character. I think he is just a movie star who was bored, a previous drug addict who was wasting his time with her and was probably going to drop her as soon as he got back into drugs. So like that to me was kind of like, who cares about this dude anyway? You do get attached to him at some point because of his connection to Lisa and his honesty. But then again, like I mentioned earlier, I don't want to have somebody tell me that the only reason why they're living is because they like the feeling they have around Exactly. Me. He really said he was just along for the ride. Yeah. So like that to me is kind of weird. As for like the ending, for me, it made sense that she is no longer caring about something as trivial as making a movie when she finds out that she's getting literal powers from a jaguar god. Like that makes sense to go back home to figure out what's going on with her family. And that to me makes more sense for the story and the mystery mm-hmm. of why she would do something like that. 
you're then kind of pushing aside the initial story for what you've been building up the entire series. Yeah. And so that to me makes more sense. I suppose I suppose what me and Murr are saying can be considered a tiny bit nitpicky. <laughs> yeah. Just just a little bit. A little bit nitpicky. However, however, yeah. I, I do want this to say that I did really enjoy the series. Yeah, it's it's and a great I and I'm bit. happy with it as it is, and I do not want to see a sequel because I think they'll just be stretching out more than we need yeah. to stretch out. It's the mystique of Boro will go away and whatnot i think if you continue to I, analyze yeah. it further she's also in a new body too by the end yeah of exactly yeah. so it's I, like yeah we I get would, it i would hate to see a part two where we follow lisa nova into the jungles of brazil honestly <laughs> yeah um, that'd be kind of a different story like yeah. leave it, it wouldn't match leave the it vibe up, leave it up to interpretation is mm-hmm. the way to go for this yeah, uh, content i believe mm-hmm. uh now that i i've heard that it kind of kind of makes sense where where it is so what so. do you what would do you guys have any favorite scenes for this ah you mean aside from the the guts yeah. fist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Aside from the, aside from the, right the, the, so, the lung pussy. You want the lung pussy? You want the point of view? Yeah, well, what's the yeah, point sir, of view, actually? What's your point of view? Point of view. No, my question is why he didn't put his dick. No, I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, we, they hey, can't show that on camera. That's, that's on true. You. They won't show dicks on camera so, for some reason. So the rib vagina or... <laughs> As I like to call it, the la pussy. Oh, <laughs> the la pussy. Nice. Yeah, it's a pussy le in your. Pussy. It's a pussy in your lungs. Oh my god. It seems like le pussy. It seems like pussy. it would change, like it would change everything. Because not only do you have you know an area to go down traditionally, you now have this new 2022 la pussy. And all of its features, it changes everything. You're no longer looking face to face. You're looking side to boob. All right, this changes the boob. game. Oh man! I want to know how many different ways you could do this. I want to know if that was CGI the, or practical. Oh, it's, it's definitely uh, practical it, it, effects. Yeah, but you know what? You know what this means to me though. That means that now this the entire book on sex positions will expand because of the advent <laughs> of the la pussy. <laughs> So now there's going to be like upside down to the side, normal, you know? You could even spin. I don't think any of them are normal. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So, but if they become the norm, oh, wow. then there will be ones where they're like, oh, you do the the sideways Never, one? Wow. Board. You got to do That's upside like down, bro. You yeah. flip her upside down and you go at the lung. Yeah. Oh, That's when porn sections have all four holes instead of all three holes. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> Gives DP a whole new meaning. You can do tree P. I feel like this would tree, 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 tree or try. Yeah, TP, you know? Wouldn't it be? Never mind. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so that is the point of view. It changes Holy the game. Shit. It changes the game. And I like the the practical effects that they use on this. Yeah. Uh, when shit. she's discovering that it is like pleasurable, it was pretty funny to me. I like yeah. kind of snickers. Like, hey, it's a Dope pussy. body horror. Some um, good body yeah. horror. But. Aside from that, I mean, is that your favorite scene? No, pussy? no. I loved, I loved when the dude got literally lit on fire. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Because was she great. was so mad at him that, like, he just spontaneously combusted. <laughs> I, I, I wish I had just a normal, like, just a regular favorite scene. But pretty much everything that happens to um, our shitty producer. To Lou. To Lou. Lou. Yeah, to Lou. Everything that happens to yeah. Lou is hilarious to me. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just find it all very funny. I'm just like the chaos that happens in his life is very entertaining to watch. No, I agree. I think most of the scenes where he's just getting tortured are the best. But honestly, it's it's the exterminators one for me. Yeah, they're great. And the fucking falcons and the tarantula and the oh boner. God. The dead falcons is so uh, fucked up. All <laughs> of it. It's just 
unhinged and so entertaining to watch and honestly haven't seen a whole lot of scenes that are like that where you have just like this curse unfolding in these unpredictable and chaotic ways man thinking he's going crazy or maybe not he's trying to be as practical as he can about it but in reality there's something very supernatural going on there i gotta say the curse was definitely a fun thing to watch unfold especially how it takes place after several amounts of days and some um, body acting too where yeah she had to like pretend like she was stuck <laughs> and it was just like writhing as um, she's trying to get through the curse i think i love basically the short film that she made i love how it's it's shot um by it yeah, feels we, it feels it we feels would discuss like, her short film on yeah, this podcast <laughs> it feels like something that someone would create if they had a very minimal budget Oh, and um, when I saw the reactions of people near the end, I was like, I need to know what happened on the screen. Yeah. So when I finally get to see that character eat their own eyeball, I was I was impressed because I was like, <laughs> I, was I, I was like, damn, I was pretty believable. <laughs> so I feel just like the, the people watching that. But not only that, you have that whole conversation where they're about to do coke together and she puts in the root and the worm that fucks him up. Oh my god! Gives him way more hiccups. Having, seeing that thing get pulled out of his eye was disturbing. Nar. Yeah, that that too. The, the culmination of it to come into a it literal looks like a tapeworm that's getting pulled this, out of his. his I want to know how they did this practical effect. Just sticky something, just going all the way up. I think they up. literally put like oh, something on his eye. And, it, and at had some to point, she has to start wrapping it on a knife. But there's so much sticky, like this bug is huge. Yeah. Then gives it to her son to eat, which is like. I'm pretty sure a kids. lot of these actors were in legitimate discomfort for the sake of what they were filming. Not, not only that, there's a lot of surreal stuff that happens yeah. and flashbacks. Yeah. Mm, I think one of my favorite surreal moments was when she gets sent to um, the little jail, the drunk tank, essentially. Oh, oh yeah. And you oh, have the all women. of these women, ladies of the night, and they kind of flock around her like um, yeah. a pack of hyenas, I guess you could say. But <laughs> it's it's the way they react. They, they comfort and then they start to attack as soon as she starts asking too many questions. And I almost wonder if that was... More than likely, Boro's doing somehow yeah, to so. protect her own identity, pr- to protect yeah. who she is. Not only that, but they don't want to fuck with her after she pukes out a fucking kid. <laughs> I mean, who would want yeah. to after a weird shit like that? So a live kid um, too. So what are our final ratings? I'm gonna give this an eight, dude. That's what I was. Gonna That's what do. I was gonna. Give. I low key was, was gonna, gonna give, give it an eight. eight. Oh, solid, wow. solid, solid eight. First eight. in time, eights all around. Eights all around. <laughs> solid B. It's 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 pretty solid. Um, there are some moments where I'm like, what? Why did this happen this way? And how did nobody notice? Um, and it's just being nitpicky. But aside from that, there is a lot of moments of overacting. Agreed. And so yeah. you then are like, oh, this is cringy, like drama, like um, melodramatic at some point. I want to believe that it was done purposefully. Yeah. But honestly, if it was it's done hard. purposefully, it's not easy to tell that. Yeah. I would have liked them to also flesh out the side characters. Yeah. Her be- her supposed best friend. Code. Rest in peace. We don't know anything about him. Like, we don't know anything we about him. We just know that he's a drug dealer. Yeah. And lives in a sick-ass warehouse. Yeah. yeah. A dope house. His plaid was cool. But yeah. Fill those characters out. Don't just do the main character. Like, fill out all the others and yeah. you get some more depth to it. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I felt like even the death of his girlfriend wasn't, like... It wasn't I didn't that feel bad. Like, yeah. It wasn't <laughs> even impactful. Yeah. Um, I give it an eight because... 
It's a excellently made series. Like you got good cinematography, uh, good use of music. Uh, yeah. The original soundtrack is fun, as well as the songs that they take from the fifties and stuff. Um, not only that, but a cool idea that Hollywood doesn't like to go into, like just a uh, urban witch cursing people is fun to watch, and then all that stuff that unfolds. I'm gonna repeat what I said, where I feel like the last two episodes just don't really hit home for me. Um, I guess you could argue that it flips on its head on purpose, but for me as like someone that enjoys stories like that, I kind of felt there was not much there and the overacting really does kill it for me. So I don't like Jonathan said, he doesn't know if it was like purposely done, but it could have been better. We're on the verge of melodramatic at some places. And we left that in 2002. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I mirror all of these points. Um, I You guys have already pretty much said everything that I would have to say about this, other than urban fantasy is fucking cool. Do it. Do it well. Yeah, there this, needs to be more. This just shows that um, it can be done, and it can be done well, and we can see better stuff later. Stuff better than Bright. This is a big step up from Bright. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That's what, as far as urban fantasy stuff goes, although I did appreciate orcs and you yeah, know they're pretty stuff good. yeah they were they were pretty great i enjoyed it um so my points for why i give it at eight pretty much concur with all of yours as well but i just wanted to give a little final thought something i was talking about with one of my co-workers the other day is the underrepresentation of uh practitioners in everyday life is that a lot of this seems very fantasy, but I will tell you right now, a lot of this shit is very, very real. Some of the most wealthiest people in the world go to psychics, go to magic practitioners, yep. go to astrologers for their advice. Some of the most, I'm talking like billionaires, like top shit motherfuckers. There's also been presidents who have advisors. And presidents, they have magical advisors, essentially. They consult astrologers to know when they should make certain trade deals, when they should do this, what they shouldn't do, what is the best timing for this particular course of action. This is something that is very well hidden in society. And all the talk about Hollywood being evil, I wouldn't say it's necessarily evil, but I would say that there are some dark underlying things that happen in the city that people regular people aren't privy to the fact that there are practitioners that are throwing throwing curses and blessing people with certain opportunities this is something that happens whether you want to believe it or not you probably will never experience it but if you have experienced it you know if you know you know that's my final thought on that very interesting to see it depicted in this way though eights all around happy birthday Justine hey Mitch What's up, Mer? Have you noticed my sick-ass fit? I have. Where'd you get that fit? Oh, <laughs> shit. Looks like we're wrapping up. I got it on our Teespring. Whoa. What the? Oh, the Teespring. You mean that place where you can go to buy all of our merch? You Absolutely. You mean hats, shirts, pint glasses? Mugs? Mugs? Yeah. You can Fuck check yeah. that out on the link tree. But if while you're there, you should also check out the other links to all our social medias. Whoa. So you get up-to-date news when we upload new episodes. No, like it's like... Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. and Twitter too. Yeah, yeah, we're all on all three of those. Sheesh. Yeah, not only that, you could also <laughs> check us out on Patreon, where we have bonus content. I know you just uploaded something. I did just upload something. I uploaded a uh, what was it? Fucking um, video games with gaming <laughs> horror in gaming with Mitch is what that special's called. Yeah, horror in gaming with Mitch, and I covered the game Carrion. And yeah. wrote a little, uh, little, little five-minute uh, thing for it. I wrote most of it. So yeah, you're a monster. 
Yeah, yeah, you yeah, play you as a monster, monster in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a great I was like, I was like, did you insult me just now? Are you calling him a monster? You, yeah. you know, but also, you know, we have to thank our patrons because we do yes. have a few of them. You know, we've got Ray and Eric and um that other one, Eric, other Eric, and then we've got the yep, we got both Erics, and then we also about our yeehaw and then there's the other yeah, we got our yeehaw fan, Duncan Sean, yeehaw. Um, and then we also have that other. There was a um a film group, yeah. I believe, that Cult covers of film. Cinema something. Cult of Cinema as well. Cult we have to thank you knowledge. for uh for donating to our Patreon. We really what appreciate they, you. What all. do they get if they do that? If they get they get that bonus content, like that Carrion episode that I just mentioned, where Anything I cover else? that game. Anything else? Anything else? Oh yeah, they get to look at some bonus content, which I just mentioned. Some some blooper stuff, which we're working on uploading at the moment. These things take time, and we have over. 120 episodes worth of blooper content to go through, so it's a lot of work. But we're getting there. We're working on it. And if you'd like to hang out with us more, check out our Discord as well as our Twitch, where we will be live streaming. Talk about a bunch of stuff. Yeah. On Discord, you can send us messages and discuss the content that we talk about, as well as send us memes and tell us how our day is going, even during the 40 hour work week. Uh, yeah. I, I'm gonna flip them off. I'm at work. Go fucking touch grass. <laughs> I love them. I love you. Please send me this. Uh, anyways, other than that, you can check us out on the Spotify and Apple Podcast. Give us a review as well as follow us and give us a rating. Also, the YouTube channel. Oh, uh, what's that? Our YouTube is completely YouTube. up to date. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Every episode. For, ev- for every motherfucker that's told me, are you guys on YouTube? Yes, motherfucker. <laughs> on fucking YouTube now. Check it out. The the Northman as well as um, oh god, what did we record last time? Stranger or not Stranger Things? Yeah, Stranger uh, Things and the Northman will be up. Yeah, but the the Stranger Things episode will actually have a visual like this. Nice. Yeah, see the nice. We're, up, we're upgrading right now. We're upgrading. Yeah, we're, upgrading. we're going through a lot of uh, changes. I guess we're some way as we figure out how to act. I'm sorry if this video looks a little dark. <laughs> That's okay. We're a horror podcast. Yeah, right. It's we're not dark. Movie. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, come hang out. I love you. All right. I'm Mitch. I'm Mer. I'm Justine. I'm Jonathan. Thank you. Woo! Bye.